Well, hello, Water of Life. We're glad that you're with us, spending time with us as we experience home church together as a family. I'm Pastor Matt, Senior Director of Family Ministries, and I just wanna start off by saying hi to all you that have already tuned in with us just a few minutes early. Now, we're not getting started yet, but I see you're logged in and that's a great idea. We're glad that you did. Here's just a few reasons why. We want you to address any tech issues that you might have. Volume, check your volume on your device. Depending on the platform that you're watching on, check your connectivity, check the quality, as there's different ways to watch, such as on YouTube, Facebook, and of course, our website, wateroflifecc.org. Now don't forget, connecting with a live chat is so important as you watch the service. We have pastors that are available online. They would love to pray with you, answer any prayer requests or questions that you might have about the service. If you have little ones in the house, we're so glad that you're with us. See, our kids ministry has an incredible worship opportunity and message for your child every single week from preschool all the way to fourth grade. Now, if you have a student, uh, fifth grade through young adults. That's our next gen department. We have incredible content coming out for your teenager and young adult. Now, we want you to stay connected. A great way to do that is wallupdates.com. W-O-L updates.com. Here you'll find links for all the different ways that you can watch online, find resources for your family, and stay updated on everything happening here at Water of Life right now. You can also watch any past messages that you've missed on our app, our website, or on YouTube. Well, we're gonna get started here in a few minutes, but before we do, I wanna encourage you, grab that cup of coffee, grab a seat on your chair, your couch, on your device, take a moment and give yourself some space. Remove distractions, and since we're on the topic of past messages, let's take a look at last week's experience. But I wanna to talk to you today about the mother of James and John. Now, she's the mother who wanted her sons to sit one on the left hand and one on the right hand side of Jesus in the kingdom of God. This gal loved Jesus. We are certain of that. Because if she didn't, she would not have risked her life by following him to the cross. See, some mothers are very presumptuous about their kids. My kid's the smartest, the brightest, the best. Maybe she's thinking her kids are the most deserving. Most mothers would do that. But the truth was, when she made the request, Jesus didn't slam her to the ground. You gotta get that. She knelt before Jesus and asked a request for her kids. So I'm pretty certain of something. I bet this was a mother who knelt before Jesus and asked in prayer often for their lives. Life. 
We'd like to welcome you and thank you for being part of our online service today. We're here at CityLink and we're very excited for the opportunity to be able to have our service here today and to share with you on what's happening here at CityLink. I'm Pastor Willie. I'm one of the senior staff pastors and the director of local outreach for Water of Life. And here at CityLink, we've been here since 2009 and we've had the opportunity to reach into our community, not only to reach them, but to help them and assist them with everything that we possibly can. We help them with food and rental assistance. And as you see throughout the course of the week, we have many opportunities for you to come and serve. And not only that, but we are continually reaching out into the community and letting them know how much we care for them, how much we love them, whether it be through rental assistance, whether it be through housing, whether it be through uh, food distribution. So here's an opportunity for us to say we are here sitting. We are connecting our church to our city and it's amazing to see what Water of Life has done over these many many years and so we are excited because we have the opportunity to have our service here today and this has been interesting times for each and every one of us as we're going through this pandemic and through this uh, 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 this quarantine and just to see how we have gathered together as a church body and how we have come together to be able to minister to those not only in the community in the city of Fontana but San Bernardino County wide so it's amazing to see the reports and the testimonies and the smiles and the tears that we see on people's faces as they come through our mobile food distribution on Thursdays to be able to bless people in a special way. You are amazing. One of our core values here at Water of Life is caring, and that is exactly what we do here at CityLink. Matthew chapter 25, verse 35, 36, and 40 says this, When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothing, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the king will reply, truly I say to you, whatever you have done for the least of my brothers and sisters, you have did for me. It's amazing that you can allow the light of Christ to shine in an awesome way, in an awesome fashion, as we begin to minister to our community from CityLink. So we encourage you to come on out and be part of what we are doing here. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful. We thank you, Lord, because this is the day that you have made. We will be glad and we will rejoice in it. We have every reason to shout glory today. We have every reason to worship you. We have every reason to praise you. So as we prepare to go into worship today, Father God, we have come against every distraction that would come against us, Lord, that we just take the opportunity to focus on you. We put our cell phones aside, that we remove distractions, Lord, that we allow your spirit to resonate with us and not only to resonate with us, but to fill our cups are overflowing because we have every reason to keep you priority and number one in our lives. So allow your spirit to fall on each and every household today. Allow your spirit to fall on each and every person today, Lord, that when we are done with this service today through time of worship and through the time of your word, Father God, that they would know something new and different has happened in their lives and they would say it was good to be in the house of the Lord in their very own house to worship God. So we thank you, God, because we know this would be a day that our cups would be filled to overflowing. In Jesus' name, we thank you for that. Amen and amen. Let us now join our hearts together as we join with one another in worship. We just invite you to worship with us today, uh, wherever you're at, if you're in your car, if you're at home, if you're on a walk, let's just worship our King in this place. Yeah? God, we worship you, Lord, and we lift up your name. Your name high, God, in this place. Give you the glory and honor. Hey! 
God, we bless you in this place. We lift up your name, God. We declare today, Lord, that we don't want to hold our future in our own hands, Lord. We want you to be the one that holds our future, God. So we just declare right now, Lord God, we surrender it all to you. All our cares, all our fears, all our worries, we give them to you, Lord, today. So that we can live freely how you intended us to live, Lord. Thank you that we can cast our cares on you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, here I stand and
in this moment I choose you You don't withhold yourself from us There's a table that you've prepared for me In the presence of my enemies It's your body and your blood that shed for me This is how I fight my battles Let's rejoice with that Praise and thanksgiving. 
around us, God. Lord, we are not left alone here, God. You are with us in the midst of it all, God. It doesn't matter what it looks like, Lord, but we know that you are surrounding us, Lord. You are the only one who does, the only one who knows, the only one. Yes, we can sing this out, say, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Somebody who believes it, say, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. At home right now, come on, say, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may. serve the God of angel armies that where the sickness that may that where the depression that may the, the, where the anxiety might be creeping in we know God that you are surrounding what is trying to surround us God we know that you are near God we thank you for your nearness we thank you for the victory in you God we thank you that we don't hold the future but you hold the future so Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do in this place, in our lives, in this moment, on this day. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen and amen, amen at home, amen in the car, amen wherever you're at. <laughs> so we're so glad that you're with us. Hey, uh, take a moment and get ready to hear from the Lord today.
my name is Brian Rockwell. I've been a member of Water Life for 27 years, and today is Thursday, and we're out here handing out food to uh, people in need. Probably about 760 to 780 people are going to go through this line, plus we're delivering to the elderly and people who can't get out of their home today. So there's a real need for that. people that are not working right now and there's a lot of children that are not going to have meals. So it is such a joy to be able to provide food for families that you know have such an important need. It's been amazing coming from, uh, from England, from a very small church in the community that's always been uh, reaching out to the people that are nearby to coming to a very large church and seeing that that heart hasn't changed, that Christ's people, wherever they are in the world, are going out of their way to reach those around them. And so it's wonderful to be part of a church that just has a heart uh, to love those around them. And even in the time of crisis, to, uh, to put ourselves out there, not just to look uh, to the needs of ourselves, but actually to the needs of others, which is just what Jesus did. Water of Life. It's great to be here with you. We're at CityLink this week. So as you can see behind me, we've uh, pulled all of our gear down here. We just love what God is doing at CityLink and how he's feeding people and caring for people and how many of you are participating in that. We just want to stop right now and say thank you, thank you, thank you. So as we jump in the Word this week, we're going to go into Zechariah, uh, the first couple of chapters. It's a really wild journey. So before we do that, let's pray together. Father, we want to come. We want to say thank you, God, for Zechariah. Thank you for hope that Zechariah brings. Thank you for the possibility. Thank you for CityLink. Thank you for this whole season that we don't like, but we bless you in it. We ask for your hand to break through in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. You got a Bible, an iPad, a phone. Turn to Zechariah. You might be like, where's Zechariah? Just start in the Old Testament, the first couple of books right before the, at the end of the New Testament, you'll find Zechariah. Let me tell you why we're talking about Zechariah, because I think you need hope. Everybody needs a little hope right now, friends. And when I started reading through Zechariah a few months ago, I was like, man, this book is just packed full of hope. This guy's coming into a very difficult time, kind of like what we're in right now. And it's so uncertain, just like we are right now. But he's just a guy, a man, a prophet full of hope. And so when you start to even talk about him, you look at his name, his name is amazing. His name is Zachariah, literally Zakar and Yahweh. Two words put together. Zakar means to remember, and Yah in the Old Testament means God. So it literally his name means God remembers. Now, how many of you need that today? I mean, God hasn't forgotten you. Some of you are like, woo, God forgot us. No, he didn't forget us. God didn't forget Israel here. God hasn't forgotten you today. And so as we jump in this, I want you to get a little bit of background, understand the, the perspective that Zechariah was in. What's happening is Israel's been into exile for 70 years, and God is redirecting them, sending them back into Israel. They were in the, this exile because the, they had killed God's prophets. They had celebrated evil, done all kinds of things they shouldn't have done, broke relationship with God. So they got sent off into Babylon. They got wiped off. And, and taken away, and now God's trying to restore them back and send them back. And in sending them back, he's trying to send hope back to them to say, listen, you messed this up really bad, you got discipline, and now I'm trying to bless you again. So let me bless you again. See, 
you kind of think like this, and so do I sometimes, friends. God has forgotten me. God doesn't forget you. That's literally why Zachariah's name is so important. God remembers you. When you're in a hard time, it's so easy to think, God forgot us. No, God doesn't forget his people ever. His mercy endures forever and ever. He did for Zechariah what he wants to do for you and I today. He wants to remind you that you can trust him. So we jump into this. I want you to believe with me that there's hope for today, friends. As bad as it looks, there's hope for today. See, what, what Zechariah speaks about is stability and, and a removal of the fear that we all are living under. There's so many of us struggling with fear today. You, you, some of you are like, I don't know if I'm gonna have food. I don't know if I'm gonna have clothing. I'm gonna have a job. I'm gonna have a house. I don't know what's gonna happen to my kids, my finances, my family. Friends, those are all normal feelings. And what's so great about God is he gets that. And he wants to help you in the journey. God has remembered you. So I wanna talk to you today about three things that God really wants to shed over you and put over each of us. He wants to be your protector, your provider, and your defender. That's actually what Zechariah spoke into Israel, is that God would be their protector, their provider, and their defender. So when you go back into this story, and that's important that you keep the context correct, you're talking about the end of 70 years of captivity. Um, this guy, Zechariah, his family coming back, his dad actually is mentioned coming back. His dad's name is spelled I-D-D-O, but it's Yeti. His name is Yeti, and he accompanied Zerubbabel and Joshua, uh, the, the high priest, back to Jerusalem. So we know that Zerubbabel's family, excuse me, Zachariah's family came back with Zerubbabel to, from the, the um, dispersion in Babylon. They came back with this guy, and they started to rebuild the temple. So it was just a handful of Jews had come back probably 20 years earlier. So Zechariah may have been a kid, a young guy, and now in his 20s, maybe his 30s, he was a young guy. And so what happens is God has raised him up to help encourage the older guys that are not doing very well. And so it's a great picture for some of you young people to think, man, you can bring something today to encourage other people in the journey. And don't ever think God can't use you because the people didn't have a heart to go on and Zachariah had a heart to go on. He had something that the other people didn't have. So don't ever let your youth be held against you. Don't ever let people say, oh, you don't know, you don't know. No, listen, God uses young people just like he uses old people and middle-aged people. So believe for the spirit of God to touch you and use you with power. So let me give you a little picture of what happens in the book of Zechariah. There's like eight visions. So if you're like, ah, visions, kind of like the book of Revelation. So in the first six chapters, there's eight visions. And the visions really help you to, to, to where God downloads his heart, helps you to get the spirit of the Lord moving into Zechariah's life. So the visions, though, I'll explain them to you as we walk through them in the next few weeks. I'll help you to understand them. But one of the other prophets who was a contemporary of Zechariah, his name was Haggai. Now, his book is right next to Zechariah's book in the Old Testament, if you're going to look at it. But in Haggai chapter 1, there's a little bit of history here I want to read to you so you can understand what was happening. It says this, Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in paneled houses when the house of the Lord remains in ruins? So Jerusalem's been wiped out. The temple's destroyed. 
and people are rebuilding their homes, but not the place of worship. And so the Lord says this in verse five. Now this is the, what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you never have enough to eat. You drink, but you're never full. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn money or wages, but you put them in a purse with holes in it. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I could take pleasure in it and be honored. Because the verse I dropped out of there, friends, really the Lord says, that was me. I want to honor you, but if you want me to honor you, honor me first. When you honor me, then you set the stage for me to honor you back. So in this picture, he's saying the way you would honor me, rebuild the temple so people can start to worship again. Open the doors, as we're saying to our government right now. We want to worship again. We want to join back together. In verse 12, Zerubbabel, it says, Then Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, and all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. So they obeyed Haggai. They started to rebuild, and then they got weary. They were like, this is impossible. We're never going to be able to do it. And who did they raise up? A young guy, Zechariah, to kind of spur them on and encourage them to finish. So watch what God does here because it's a great picture in chapter two of Zechariah where he starts to pick up and literally say, here's how I'm gonna provide and protect you. Let's pick up the picture there. You got a Bible and iPad up on, we're gonna read together. So this verse will be up on the screen for you. Let's read it loud, let's read it together. Zechariah chapter two, verse one, two, three, four, and five. It says, when I looked again, I saw a man with a measuring line in his hand. Where are you going, I asked. And he replied, I'm going to measure Jerusalem to see how wide and how long it is. Then the angel who was with me went out to meet a second angel who was coming towards this guy. And the other angel said, hurry up and say to that young man, Jerusalem will someday be so full of people and livestock that there won't be room enough for everybody Many of the people will live outside the walls. Then I myself will be the protective wall of fire around Jerusalem, says the Lord, and I will be the glory inside of it. Literally, the picture is this. Here's that vision that I told you, you're like, what does this have to do with me? Please watch, because this is your life, friends. The picture is this. It's really a city without walls. If you read this literally in the Hebrew, it says the city will be built without walls because there'll be so many people that won't be able to hold all the people. It's a prophetic picture of the end of time and what God's gonna do to collect Israel back, collect people back, but it's also a picture of your life and my life. See, this is so great, a city without walls. Let's stop right there and talk about it. Your city doesn't have walls, your house does, doesn't it? And you're stuck in them right now. Some of you are like, ah, I want out of my house. No, think like this. In the Old Testament, in times past, the only way you could be protected in your city is if it had a wall around it. So if you're gonna be safe, you gotta have a wall. But this city doesn't have a wall. That's what's so great about this picture because God literally said in, this, in, in verse five, I will be the protective wall of fire. That's such a great verse, friends, because it's a picture of God saying, look at your city might look unprotected, but not if I'm in it with you. I will protect you. This, friends, is a picture of the guardianship of the Lord. This is God saying, look at, I protect my people. Uh, you might feel like you live in an unwalled town, but I got this. I've got your life right now. So let me ask you a question. 
when fear, doubts, anxiety crash in on you? Do you believe that God protects you? You think God cares for you? Because here's the truth. If you're looking at your circumstances and you're saying this, my circumstances don't look like God. Beware, friends, of dictating who God is through your circumstances. What you need to do is let God dictate your circumstances through him. If you put your circumstances between you and God, you will miss God. Put God between you and your circumstances and watch God work in them. See, God needs to reign over your situation, not under it. He wants to reign over it. And the picture here is, is God between you and your situation? Because if he is, you're okay. Doesn't matter. If it looks like hell's attacking you, the enemy's coming against you, if, if God is between you and the enemy, you're okay. The same thing, if God is between you and your circumstances, friends, you are okay. You don't need to worry. You don't need to feel anxious. You don't need to be afraid. God wants to put a wall of fire around you and protect you. But if you put your circumstances between you and God, as many of us do, friends, you're going to feel like you're in trouble. You are. You're going to cut God off. You're going to cut off the power of the Spirit. See, God wants to defend you, but he can't do that. He can't defend you if you don't put him between you and your circumstances. So let me explain it this way. God is your defender. He's your protector and your defender. See, when we focus on our troubles, we put ourselves in danger. Danger of losing perspective on life. So let's talk about that for a minute. Some of you have. Man, I read it every day. Some of you get up in the morning and the first thing you do is turn on the news. The first thing you need to do is turn on your Bible. You need to open up the Jesus. You turn on the news, friends, and what you've done is allow your circumstances to dictate your destiny. You've literally said, you literally said this, you literally said, okay, I gotta watch the news, man. He's gonna tell me how my life's gonna go today. No, he's not. Not unless you want him to. See, friends, God wants to dictate your destiny, not the newsman. See, if you will believe the word of God, then you're gonna be safe and God will be your protector and your defender. Instead of your destiny dictating your circumstances, you've gotta let God dictate your destiny. Don't allow your circumstances to dictate your destiny. Allow God to dictate your circumstances. Allow God to be in control of whatever anxiety you feel, whatever pressures you're under today. Let God in the journey with you, friends, because watch, this is so important. So many of us, we do this. We spend five minutes in prayer, get up in the morning, five minutes in prayer, turn on the TV for the next hour and a half. Then you walk away and you go, where's God in this? I hear people do this all the time. Where's God in this? You're like, hello, God is here, friends. You, if you're going to listen to people, the talking heads that tell you they're the experts, and I have people tell me this all the time, man, the expert said this. Let me ask you a question. Is the expert on TV smarter than God? I mean, it's just an obvious question, but answer it in your own heart. Is he smarter than God? Is she smarter than God? Because some of you live like they are. And you gotta understand something. These people get you to watch their programs out of fear. They want you to feel afraid. And friends, if you put fear between yourself and God, you're not gonna experience your destiny and your protection. 
You got to put God between your fear and your situation, your circumstance. Put God first. You put him there and you will build a wall of protection around yourself. But listen, this is so important. If you put fear around you, you build a wall that keeps God out, not in. You drive the Spirit of the Lord away by your fear, by your unbelief. A wall of circumstances, a wall of unbelief can keep the word of the Lord out of you and the protection that God has for you out of your journey. So what, ne- what, what Zachariah is trying to say to you right now, let God be a wall of fire to you. Let God be your protector. Let the Holy Spirit guard you and guide you, comfort you, and speak life to you every day, every day, every day. Now here's the big question. Who is the Lord to you? Who's the Lord to you today? I mean, think about it for a second. Who's the Lord to you today? Is he an unseen wall of fire? Is he a protection around you? Or is the newsman driven God back so far with the fear that he's pouring into your heart that you don't feel protected and you don't feel safe? See, God is offering you protection, a wall of fire. He will drive out darkness. He'll drive out discouragement. He'll protect you and guard you so that, watch this, if you got your Bible, your iPad, your phone, go back to chapter two in Zechariah. Watch what can happen in the midst of struggle. It says this, in verse nine, it says, then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing for joy and be glad. Hold it. Sing for joy and be glad. Some of you need to take that as a word of the Lord for you today. You're like, I'm not singing for joy. I'm full of sorrow and disappointment and discouragement and I'm afraid. Hold it. Let God be a wall of fire to you. Let God protect you. Let God cover you. Put God between yourself and your fear, yourself and your circumstances. And then, friends, sing for joy and be glad. This is so important, man. This is like, sing for joy and be glad, O daughter of Zion. For behold, I will come and dwell in your midst. Many nations will join themselves to the Lord in that day and will become my people. Then I will dwell in your midst and you will know that the Lord your God has sent me to you. Friends, this is a word of the Lord for us today. This isn't just for Zechariah because this is a prophetic word about the end of time. And I know a lot of you believe right now you're living in the end of time. You gotta figure this out. God wants to be your protector. He wants to be your defender. When people say this to me, you know what? I hope that misfortune doesn't strike me. If you're a Christian, you should never say that. You should never say, I hope misfortune doesn't. There is no such thing for people who love Jesus. There's no such thing as misfortune. There is destiny and people who live in it, and there's unbelief that blocks you out of it. But friends, there's no misfortune. Isaiah 33, 14 says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hell wants to destroy you, your family, your heart, your joy, so that you can't sing. But God wants to say this to you today. I am a wall of fire around you. I can protect you, I can defend you, and I can create joy inside of you again. Let me back in. Listen to Psalm chapter three, verse six. It says, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me or around me. Why not? 
Why, how, how could this be declared so confidently? Because God, they knew God was their protector, their defender, and their provider. So here's what I'm trying to say to you today. Let God be your protector and your defender, not your circumstances. Don't dictate your destiny by your circumstances, but by your God. When you do that, friends, it's a complete game changer. So watch this. God doesn't just want to be your protector and your defender. He also wants to be your provider. This is such a great picture because God keeps you as the focus. He's got his eye on you. I tell you this all the time. God is crazy about you. You're the crown of all creation. You're the apple of God's eye. And people go like this. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. Why doesn't it feel like it? Because you're dictating your feelings out of your circumstances instead of out of your faith. But I want to tell you how God feels about you because this is so great. God says here in chapter three that you are the apple. Chapter, at the end of chapter two, in the beginning of chapter three, he says this, you're the apple of his eye. Now, many of you are like, what? What does that mean? Well, that's a phrase we use in America all the time, the apple of God's eye, the apple of our eye. You might say to somebody that you really think is really cool, man, I love that girl. She's the apple of my eye. I love that person. They're the apple of my eye. You don't even know what you're saying. I mean, you're saying something because you've heard other people say it, but you have no idea what it means. Well, it's such a great, a great picture. Let me read it to you. Verse eight, verse eight, when the Lord talks about protecting you, Chapter two, Zechariah, verse eight, it says, for thus says the Lord of hosts, after glory, he has sent me against the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. Now, I wanna explain this to you. There are numbers and numbers of verses in the Old Testament that say that you are the apple of God's eye. And if you might say, well, I don't know how you can make that statement, Pastor John. Well, just think like this. When Jesus came up out of, the, out of being baptized in the Jordan River, what was the declaration from the Father? Behold my son, whom I am well pleased, my beloved son. God was literally saying, Jesus is the apple of my eye. Well, I'll tell you something. Today, when I gave my life to Jesus, I am found in Christ. And if Jesus is the apple of the Father's eye, then so am I, and so are you. So you need to grab a hold of some of the promises, friends, and live in them. Because watch this, this is so great. What does it mean? I was hoping you'd ask that question. What does it mean to be the apple of God's eye? Literally, it comes from a Hebrew expression that means little man, Ishom. And literally, when you use the word ish and on, ishon or Ishom, in the Old Testament, it means, ish means man, and this and Ishom means little man. So when God says you're the apple of his eye, it means you are his little man or little person. And you might go, okay, that's really weird. I feel pretty little sometimes, Pastor Dan, but what the heck does that mean? Here's what it means. Have you ever looked really close at somebody's pupil when you're talking to them? Have you ever been really close to them face to face, stared right in their eye, looked them right in the eye and realized that you could see your own reflection in their eye? You could see yourself, friends, do it someday. Look somebody right in the eye, in the pupil of their eye, and you will see your own reflection coming back. Small, little man, little person. That's exactly what God is saying. I have my eye focused on you. 
Literally, the apple of the eye is the pupil. The pupil, friends, is the key here. When it says this, you know, the, the, your pupil literally would be what you see everything out of that enables you to see and be seen. And if you look straight in it, you'll see the reflection of, a, of yourself. So here's what God's saying to you. I'm looking straight at you. You think I'm not protecting you, defending you, guarding you? I'm looking right at you. I don't take my eye off of you. You are the apple of my eye. I have you in my sight. It means you are the center of a person's focus, the center of their attention. Come on, think about that for a minute. Some of you really need to get this right now. Every time you read that verse or any verse that says you're the apple of God's eye, I don't want you to ever forget this. God has got his attention on you. When I tell you that God's crazy about you, it literally means his eye is focused right on you. He's looking right at you, and you are the reflection there, the little person in his eye. To be the apple of the eye means you're being closely gazed upon by somebody else. Your heavenly Father, friends, is gazing upon you every moment, every day. You are the apple of his eye. What an amazing picture. He's watching you, watching you, watching you. You are the image dancing in the eye of God. It's such a great picture, friends. It's this thing. Proverbs 7 talks about being the apple of, your, of God's eye. It says, my son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live, keeping my teaching as the apple of your eye. So, so hold it. If I watch the word of God, if I read the word of God, if I grab the promises of God, Proverbs 7, 1 and 2 says, keep those things. Treasure them up, hold on to them. Not what the newsman says, not what the other people are telling you, but what the word of the Lord says to you. Treasure that up and keep it as a teaching, the apple of your eye. Means your focus, friends, that you are focused on the heart of God. And when you do that, it allows the heart of God to completely focus on you. One of the names of the, of the Lord in the Old Testament is Jehovah Jireh. Many of you know that. I hear people quote this all the time. Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. Well, most of you don't know that the word actually doesn't even mean God is your provider. The word Jireh literally means in Hebrew to look. It means to look. It means God is looking. And so when it says that you're the apple of his eye, literally the Bible is saying God is looking out for you. God is watching you. You are in his gaze in his focus. You are, you are under his protection. That wall of fire will cover you. You are under his provision. Listen, this is really important. We say Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. Think like this. The word literally means to look. So why do we interpret it provider? Because t- clearly when this was spoken over, if you go into the Old Testament, when, when Abraham was supposed to sacrifice Isaac, that was the time that this was really spoken deeply. Genesis 22:14, 14, he said, you have provided for me a, a sacrifice. And that's where the word Jehovah Jireh came from. It meant this, so here's what Abraham was saying. You were watching me. You saw my need, you met my need. Some of you gotta get this today. God is watching your need and he will meet your need. That's what's so great about these verses is it doesn't just say God is watching you. 
but God sees your struggle. Friends, if it's depression, God sees your depression. If it's discouragement, God sees your discouragement. If it's finances, God sees your need for finances. It's what Jesus said when he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and he'll add everything else to you because he has his eye on you. You are in his gaze, the apple of his eye. He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. And when he sees your needs, friends, tell him, God, I'm starving here. I'm hungry for physical uh, contact with people. I feel so isolated and lonely. I feel depressed, God. I've lost my job, Lord. I'm afraid I'm not gonna get work again. God, meet my fears. Friends, your father is hungering to meet your fears today. Your God is passionate about you. He's crazy about you. And some of you, even as I sit here and I plead with you, come on, look at God, look at God. You're saying this, not happening, Dan. Not gonna happen. I hear it all the time from people. Why would God look at me? Let me tell you something, not because of you, not because of me. God doesn't look at us because of who we are. He looks at us because of who he is. Because he's crazy about people. It's in his heart. His character loves people. You are made in the image of God, the crown of all creation. You are God's most favorite thing. And I can't overstate this to you. Now, here's the problem. You don't feel it. <clears throat> you feel like this. You feel like, you know what? God might be watching me. He might even want to meet me. But I'm so jacked up, it'll never happen. Well, I want to close up in chapter 3 and help you understand how important it is that you get that you're the apple of his eye. Chapter 3, verse 1. Got your Bible, your iPad, your phone. Read it with me. It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem will rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? In verse 3, it says, Now Joshua was clothed in filthy garments and standing before the angel. And he spoke and said to those who were standing by him, Remove those filthy garments from him. And again he said to him, See, I have taken away your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with festival robes. I will put a, a, a turban, a clean turban on your head. I'll put clean clothes on your body. I will wash you and make you pure in my sight. And the angel of the Lord was standing by to obey. Friends, this is, this is you. This is me. Some of you feel so filthy today. You feel like God looks at you and you just think, this could never happen for me. God doesn't care about me. I don't care how big your mess is. God is crazy about you. I don't care how broken you are or even how sinful you've been. That's something you need to work out with God. I, I'm not saying it's okay for you to sin. I'm saying this. You have a father who wants to wash you. You have a father who wants to heal you and cleanse you. You need some of you to bow your hearts down right now and realize, yeah, you're filthy. You look at yourself and you go, look at me. Why would God want to make me the apple of his eye? Why would God want to protect me or defend me or provide anything for me? 
I'm worthless, a piece of trash. You know what? You've been listening to hell speak way too much. Satan stands as our accuser, friends. Very clearly, Revelation 12.10 says this, for the accuser of the brethren, that's you. Girls, guys, brethren, sisterin, that is you. Satan stands as the accuser of the brethren, and he has been thrown down, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Friends, if you feel condemned, I get that. Hell wants you to feel condemned. The enemy wants you to feel destroyed. He wants you to feel filthy. But God has a word for you today. Take off those filthy rags and put on some clean clothes today. Let me wash you. It's 1 John 1, 9. You confess your sin. God is faithful and righteous to forgive you and cleanse you. Listen to the word, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God wants to take whatever you have done that makes you feel filthy, whatever has been done to you that makes you feel dirty, and he wants to say, I want to remove that from you right now. So I want you to stop right now. Whatever you're doing, I want you to stop, and I want you to listen to me. Some of you, this is your destiny hanging in the balance. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. God is in love with you. He is your protector, your defender, and your provider. He's asking you now to bow down and believe him. You feel filthy. I get that. God is saying, don't look at yourself and put that between me and you. Put me between your filthiness and all of your unbelief, and I'll break through. God wants to say to you, don't listen to hell anymore. And some of you, honestly, that comes through your television, the internet, comes through any number of different places. You listen to the voice of the enemy way too much. You need to turn off the TV, turn off the internet, and open up to the heart of God. You need to bow down and begin to worship. You need to open up and just say, Father, forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me how I've broken your heart, God. Forgive me how I've lived in such a filthy, unlife-giving way. But today, Lord, today I believe you want to take off the dirty rags, the filthy clothes, and you want to clothe me with life and possibility. Friends, hell wants you to feel condemned. And some of you do right now. You just feel condemned. You feel like there's no way out. There's always a way out in Jesus. You've got to be clear in your head about this. Condemnation is not conviction. These are way different things. Hell wants you to feel condemned. No way out. Your life is over and out your history. Jesus says this, I will convict you of doing wrong things. Like he said to the lady when he said, go and sin no more. Remember that gal that, that came and she had a number of husbands and you know, the gal, the prostitute, she came and she had been sleeping with a guy. Over and over, there's stories in the Bible where Jesus cleansed people, put fresh clothes on them, and then said this, go and sin no more. He says this, live in conviction. Live in conviction, not condemnation. Let the Spirit of God touch you. Reveal your filthiness, and then just hand it over to your Father. God wants to scrub you clean today. God wants to lift your head today. That's what makes Zechariah so good. God has remembered you. God has not forgotten you, friends. You are the apple of his eye. He is gazing on you right now, 
and he's asking you to let him in. Let him in. Your will is the key to the kingdom of God inside of you. Let him in right now. Open up to him and say, Father, I don't understand. I feel filthy. I look dirty. I've wasted so much of my life, but today I yield to you. I agree with you. I don't know why I'm the apple of your eye, why you gaze upon me, why you see my brokenness and my need and you want to provide healing, life, finances, encouragement. I don't get that, but I receive it today. So friends, I want to pray over you right now. I want you to believe with me that you are what was spoken in verse two. Listen to this. This is a great verse spoken in verse two, chapter three of Zechariah. He said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. Who He is the one who rebukes you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Friends, the answer is yes. It's a picture, and most of us have never branded an animal in our life, but you would take your brand, put it in the fire, heat it up, heat it up, and then brand an animal. And God just made a declaration. Isn't this a brand plucked from the fire? Literally saying this, you may feel like hell owns you, but God's taken you away. He's plucking you out of the fire. He's going to restore life to you. He's going to restore hope to you. He's going to restore joy and gladness and singing to you. He just needs you to yield to him today. Why would Jesus say, why would the New Testament tell us, Philippians 1.6, I am confident, Paul said of this very thing, no matter what you feel, what you look like, Paul said, I'm confident of this very thing. The one who began a good work in you will complete it, perfect it, mature it, and build it until the day that Jesus returns. Friends, God is your cleansing power. So I want you to bow your head with me right now. And we're going to come before him and believe for your life to be a changed life today. So Heavenly Father, we come. We just say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for Zachariah. Just that name, Zachar Yah, that you remember us, God. You remember us, Father. We are the Ishon, the, the apple of your eye. God, that you have plucked us from the fire. Filthy, dirty mess that we are. And you've declared over us, I will cleanse you today. So Holy Spirit, I pray for people out there that are struggling. They feel fa like failures. They have lost their hope. They feel condemned. That today would be their day of breakthrough. Father, today would be their day of hope that you, Holy Spirit, would release in the name of Jesus power and healing and possibility on their lives right now. Father, break those chains. Break through into their heart, their thinking, Father, their wrong, dirty thinking. Break in in the name of Jesus with life. And we thank you for it. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Listen, if you got a Bible, an iPad, a phone, I want to give you a homework lesson. If you're feeling condemned, you're feeling hopeless and helpless, get a Bible and read Romans chapter 7 all the way up to chapter 8. Romans chapter 7 starts with just feeling broken down and helpless. But chapter 8, verse 1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That would be you, friends. If you've opened up your heart to Jesus Christ, no condemnation, no condemnation, no condemnation. Read chapter seven, read chapter eight, watch what the power of the Spirit can do in your life when you open up to God. I hope you have a great, great week this week. God bless you.